Victoria here, Girl Boss's senior writer. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to tell you about our newsletter, Girl Boss Daily, aka the one email you'll actually look forward to receiving. Every morning, you'll get A-plus career advice, dream job postings, free coffee every Monday, and a few emojis, because we're fun like that, all delivered right to your inbox. Join over 250,000 ambitious women and sign up at girlboss.com newsletter. That's girlboss.com newsletter. Hey, welcome to Girl Boss Radio. If that voice sounds familiar, then you're probably following Drew Afuallo. But if you don't, it's time you meet the viral TikTok truth teller who's known for calling out misogyny and literally making grown men cry. I'm your host, Avery. I'm the founder and CEO of Bloom, a workplace design consultancy and believer that works your work for all of us. Today on Girl Boss Radio, I get to see a different side of Drew. The woman with almost 8 million TikTok followers who has the best cackle on the internet. Drew started her career in social media for the NFL. She was later fired from the NFL, which is what led her to becoming one of the best known content creators working today. We chat about her career journey, what it's really like to get fired, and her advice to anyone worried it might happen to them. Keep listening. So first and foremost... I'm going to ask you a question that's been rocking the internet and TikTok. Sure. What's your drink of choice? <laughs> Negroni. <laughs> Spagnato. <laughs> My preferred drink of choice lately, I've been a, a Moscow Mule girly lately. They like have the perfect amount of sweetness. If I drink things that are too sweet, my stomach hurts. So I have to mind, well, that was getting old, honestly. Is it the copper cup that does it for you? Yeah, maybe. I think that adds to the vibes. I've never had a Negroni and I've had probably three Negronis over the last week. So I've listened to every one of your podcast episodes. And I think my favorite thing that you said is in response to people months after an interaction with you being like, this is why Drew is not a good person. And you're like, yeah, I'm a me person. I've never said I was nice once. And I think that to me, I'm from Toronto. So it makes me think about Drake's song, Nice For What? And as someone that is actively dating and reflecting on my experiences with men on dating apps, <laughs> I can't help but think about why be nice all the time. We have to talk about this clip. Is it okay for women to be mean? Absolutely. I think too that there's a huge misconception of conflating being nice with being kind right? And being a good person. Some of the worst people in the world are nice. And some of the meanest people in the world are very kind and generous. And so I've had people tell me, you're not nice, but you're kind. I never said I was a bad person. I said it was mean. <laughs> There's a beauty in understanding that you are mean and can be mean and understanding when to wield that power and when not to. And I feel like that's the difference. Because especially in today's times, even more so because we have so much access to the internet and some of these terrible men that I stitch feel so entitled to patience, kindness, understanding, grace. Like they, even if they're making a joke, they feel entitled to a calm, level-headed response, void of any emotion, any sort of critique. If you're unhappy with something they said about you, did to you, it's on you to react in a way that makes them feel comfortable. And that's in every aspect of life. That's not just on the internet. 
I think that that's such a powerful thing as a woman to observe and, and to own. Cause I think that for a long time, I don't know about how old you are. I'm 34. For the majority of my life, I was told to be nice and bubbly and friendly. And that's what would get you further at work. And you are living proof that you don't have to be nice to be successful. No, you really don't. And I'm, I'm 27. So I've made videos about this in the past, but like one of the very few videos I made where I was being serious, <laughs> like it wasn't all jokes and giggles is um, I was talking about how in many situations in which case women or any femme presenting person is made to be uncomfortable, whether that's being sexually harassed, being verbally harassed, just in general, being made to be uncomfortable. Even in the most extreme circumstances, men expect that you're going to be nice to them. Even in the most dangerous, violent, extremely uncomfortable circumstances, we are still at that level, like expected to be kind and patient and understanding. But I decided a long time ago that I'm not going to count on someone else to protect me. I'm going to protect myself, whatever that may be. So I'm not going to be nice to you. I'm not going to be respectful to you. I don't know you. So I always think to myself, when they sit there and they critique how I do things, like how I choose to do things, it really just, the thing they don't like is it makes them uncomfortable because either one, that shoe fits just a little too well, or two, they've never seen women stand up for themselves before, or let alone stand up for others. So that's on you, especially when I'm expressing to you that you're being a bigot. Absolutely. And I think that it's so interesting, the expectations that women have to how they navigate sharing how they feel, how they deliver this information specifically to men. And, and when we say men, we're talking about het, cis men. And I think that it's a shame because what's happening is that women are losing parts of themselves every single time that they try to navigate just existing as their authentic selves. You've been referred to as the internet's bigot hunter. You're navigating misogyny every day, very clearly, in your job. Do you find that navigating misogyny now as like an independent, self-employed person is easier than when you navigated it before, when you're employed by other folks? Yeah, I would say yeah, only because it's been a very hard line I've drawn in the sand. What I like, what I don't like. A lot of times you don't get to choose that in your everyday nine to five. Like you don't get to choose who you work with. You don't get to choose who you work for. It is a lot easier and it's a, for sure a privilege that I have now that I am a self-employed person because now I get to decide who's on my team. I get to decide who I partner with. When you're working in corporate America or any sort of service industry, retail, you don't get to choose that. And I know, I know that that's a privilege now because I've worked those jobs and I've worked this job. So obviously it's easier to navigate now. What's the hardest job you've ever had? Honestly, I think the hardest job I've ever had was being a waitress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, think that, I mean, anyone who works in food service or retail, God's soldiers. Honestly, I truly give it up to them because prior to that, I had only ever really worked office jobs or like temp jobs, like when I was in high school and stuff. And then when I was early in college, I tried to stick to when I got in college, I tried to go to jobs that could help pad my resume. But at the same time, you know, you don't get paid anything. And when you're that young with no experience, so I started working other jobs too. So I had two jobs at the time. So I was working for my school newspaper and then I was also a server. And that was the hardest job I've ever had. A truly thankless, 
run you into the ground kind of job. Like the way that some people would go out to eat with the sole intention of harassing your waiter. Like what is the matter with you? I've seen like the worst kinds of humans from being a server. And that's why even before I did this anyways, prior to this job, but especially after I was like, tip well and tip often because they deserve it. Like it was just, that's for sure the hardest job I've ever had easily. And I had a job once that part of my job was to go to door to door. And I did basically outreach for an engineering firm. So I would go door to door to tell basically people who lived in the neighborhood, I'd be like, Hey, your commute's going to be terrible for the next like six months, maybe longer. There's going to be someone drilling in your backyard. Just want to give you a heads up. <laughs> and I would get berated in front yards. Like, wow. Scream and yell at me, be racist towards me and yell at me as if I'm the dude doing the drilling in the backyard. I was like, well, clearly I have control because I'm in a too tight polo on your porch at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. Like, girl, I'm not making the calls. Yeah. <laughs> but like that, I had that job. That job was fucking hard too. But being a server was way harder. Way harder. I worked as a server once. I lasted for a week. I was out. I was fired. They were like, get out. Don't, do not come back. You're not suited to this work. <laughs> so speaking of hard work, there's been a lot of conversations about being an influencer or creator. And as someone leading a business fueled by online vitriol that's being spewed by misogynistic and ignorant men, I have to ask, do you believe that being an influencer or a creator is hard? I believe that there are aspects to it that are hard, sure. I don't think that it's the hardest job in the world, no. By any measure, no. Teachers are extremely underpaid and overworked. So there are much harder jobs in the world, like much, much, much harder jobs. I've kind of expressed this to my audience before as well because I had talked about how one of the hardest parts of this job is something that no matter how many jobs you worked in the past would never prepare you for. So for example, getting online hate, getting doxxed, right? Getting stalked, getting harassed, like purely because you're someone who exists on social media is not a problem that you encounter no matter how many jobs you've had in the real world. And, you know, it's very mentally taxing, obviously much more than like, I would say your average job, but that's only because you subjected yourself to a life where you're being watched all the time. And so although I do think that there are parts that are very difficult and mentally challenging, I don't think that it's the hardest job in the world, no. In fact, like the good far outweighs the bad in many different ways. Do you ever feel scared, like just existing on a daily basis? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I think that's natural for any public person at all in any capacity. Like, I don't consider myself a celebrity by any means, but in a way, like the traditional celebrities and social media influencer people or people that are in the social media space, I think the approach is much different between us because, for example, like in public, because when it comes to content creators, I think the parasocial relationship that we share with our audiences makes us a lot more approachable. You have more people following you across all your platforms than legitimate celebrities. Perhaps like, I don't know, you are a celebrity. Speaking of celebrity, a lot of people listening probably are thinking you are the epitome of just like girl boss, success, lusciousness. (laughs) 
When did you first realize that you were successful? Well, I think it came in kind of in two parts. I think the first was when someone recognized me in public the first time ever. It was kind of when I was like, that was weird. I did not plan this. Like I did not, I had no intention of ever doing this. I never thought I would be doing this for a living in the capacity I am now, let alone what it is specifically my niches. Like I had no clue that was going to happen. But I would say that was probably the first part. And then the second was probably when I was able to like take care of myself, like when I was able to pay bills, when I was able to like self-sustain. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's happening. It's it's going. When that those two kind of parts happened like pretty consecutively is when I was like, okay, like because when I had initially started growing on TikTok, I posted one video that went super viral. And that was the first time I had ever had a video like that go viral. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause TikTok is one of those platforms where you could like have something go super viral and then nothing really comes in it. I didn't really think much of it, but then I made another one like a couple months later that went really viral. And then I did some follow-ups that kind of followed suit. And then it was like, I was growing like a hundred thousand, like every few days which I had never seen before. At Girlboss, we're all about defining success on our own terms, right? And I think that everyone has different definitions of success. Like, what does success mean to you today? Success to me means feeling accomplished, but also happy, right? Like, filled in more ways than one. Like, not just in your career, not just financially, but also emotionally, mentally. I'm someone who genuinely, like, dreaded going to work so many times. Like I hated going to work on Mondays and working through the week and like, you know, looking forward to Friday, looking forward to the weekends, like only because that's how much my job was killing me mentally. Not feeling like that about working is what I considered being successful. And I love that you're not connecting it to like any sort of monetary value. It's not about the money. It's about how you feel, which I love. Want to support small businesses this holiday season? Our marketplace, Girlboss Goods, makes it easy for you to vote with your dollar and champion women-founded businesses, while at the same time discovering great Girlboss-approved products for work, wellness, gifting, and fashion. Check everyone off of your list by heading to girlboss.com goods. That's girlboss.com goods. Let's get back into my conversation with Drew and what we've all been waiting for. What is it really like to get fired from the NFL? So I want to talk about a time where maybe you may have not felt as successful. I don't know. I don't want to make any assumptions, but I don't think a lot of people know this. But before you were like the Internet's favorite woman making grown men cry <laughs> and, and having ignorant men use their energy to build your brand, business and your bank account, you were fired from the NFL. Yeah. So tell us about that time you were fired. I worked there for for a while. I was saying 10 months, but I think it might have even been shorter than that. I think it was probably like eight to nine months more so. Time moves so slow there, but in a terrible way. But <laughs> essentially speaking, I was metaphorically dying there, like mentally, emotionally, creatively. I felt incredibly stifled. I felt held back. I felt like a failure, to be honest, because 
even while I was still actively working there because I was so unhappy and I felt this can't be the end. Like this can't be my dream job because I thought that's what it was when I had initially gotten it. So prior to me being fired or restructured, whatever word, fancy word they gave me, which is just a fancy word for being fired, I was entertaining leaving. I was like, well, you know, you know, I could just quit. And then I thought, I'm someone who needs a backup plan. So I was like, well, if I quit, like, what am I going to do for money for the next few months? Like, I'm someone who is a very calculated risk taker. So I don't even know if you could say it's a risk taker. I think that's kind of an oxymoron. (laughs) Like, an oxymoron. (laughs) A risk means you're not weighing the pros and cons at all. No, I'm, I'm someone who's very calculated in every decision I make, especially if it has to do with money. Because I was an adult. I had bills to pay. I had responsibilities. And I also was in a relationship as well. So I wanted to make sure I was like holding up my end of the deal as far as like, you know, being just being an active contributing member up to my relationship. And my boyfriend has never made me feel like I had to be like that. That's just my own like thing. I just always wanted to make sure I always get my own money means of doing whatever it is I wanted to do. So I was weighing the pros and cons. And then I, I'll do that forever. I'll, I'll just never, I'm someone who puts something in the cart and never pulls the trigger. Like that's literally me. I, I have an Amazon cart full of things and I never order them. And I think just the universe had another plan for me because I was taking too long to make the leap. I was taking too long to put myself first. I was taking too long to prioritize my mental health before a job. And so they made that decision for me. The universe was like, no, nah, bitch, you're fired. So when they let me go, it was something I was not expecting at all, literally at all. I could not have ever predicted that happening to me. And I had never been fired before. You were fired from like one of the most iconic brands, companies in the world, right? And for those who are listening that aren't aware, like what were you doing at the NFL while you were working there? So I was essentially on the grassroots level of like social media. So I was a digital content creator for them. I was doing social media for them. That was my job in essence. (laughs) Yeah. I had never even had a poor work experience like that before. Anytime I had left a job prior, it was by my own volition and I left on very good terms every single time. So it was just the most unexpected blindside to me, honestly. Like they blindsided me and they gave me no option. They just were like, you're done working here. I was like, okay. And I just left. Like, I was just like, okay. I remember as I was leaving, I was kind of in shock a little bit. And so I had no real emotion. I like packed my desk and like walked out. <laughs> then I got in my car. And I remember when I got in my car, I literally went on my phone and I like got rid of every single picture I had ever posted associated with working with them. So like, when I got the job, when I went to the holiday party, like I did a bunch of petty shit. I was like, delete, delete, delete. I was just so upset. And I remember calling my mom and she was at an appointment, so she didn't answer. And I called my sister. She was at an appointment, she didn't answer. So I was like, all right, I'll call my dad. So I called my dad and my dad was like, what's up? And then I was like, I think I just got fired. Like that was like the first thing I said to him as I'm driving out. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? And I gave him the rundown. And then he was like, congratulations. I'm so curious. Why do you say congrats? So my parents knew how miserable I was. I cried to them all the time. I was just so depressed working there. Like I worked six days a week there. So I would work Monday to Friday and Sundays. So I would only have Saturdays off or Friday, Saturday sometimes. And so Friday, Saturday, I would sleep all day. 
And like, I thought that was just a byproduct of me being tired from driving because I used to drive really far. And my sister was like, no, I think she's depressed. Like my sister was very worried about me. She would call me all the time and ask me like how I was feeling, how I was doing. I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. But no, it was really my mental health declining like rapidly. So they knew how unhappy I was. They knew I really wanted to leave. I just, they knew I would never pull the trigger. I just had to have a plan first. And so my dad was like, congrats. Like this is the best thing that's ever happened to you. And I was like, is it? Because it's supposed to feel like it. Like I was, then I started crying. And then they took me to Denny's because I was the only thing that was open at the time. And (laughs) my mom was like, so happy for you. Like this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. And everyone was telling me something bigger is coming, something bigger and better. Totally. And worthy of your efforts and your talents and all of that. She was speaking into existence. I love that you went to Denny's. I've been fired a lot. I've been fired numerous times. I was even part of a group firing once when I worked at a call center. They called like 20 of us into a room and all of us were told just to go home, pack up, take our headsets, leave. And <laughs> that was the birth of my firing ritual, which is I would always go to McDonald's. That's my, you've got fire food. Yeah, we all went to McDonald's together. All 20 of us went to McDonald's because it's right across the street. And that became my ritual. And I was actually recently, I've owned my own business for five years now. So I have not experienced being fired for a while now. It's like probably about nine years. And I was fired this past week. For the first time, I got fired from a freelance gig that I was doing. And it was because I took on way too much all at once and I couldn't handle it. So I know it was definitely my fault. But damn, it stung. Oh my God, yeah. And I'm someone who, I'm a Virgo, so I'm a hard worker. I love to work. And I, prior to going to therapy, prior to my job now, I would tie my self-worth to my work and my accomplishments. Yeah, so getting fired is like one of the worst things that could have happened to me at the time because that's what I centered my self-worth from. I am a big believer that rejection is just redirection. For people that are listening in right now that have either just been fired or that have experienced being fired or might experience getting fired in the future, how can they bounce back from it? Well, first of all, I would look up Saturn return because that was my Saturn return. Saturn return is essentially something like it's like a cataclysmic event that happens in your life that makes you feel like everything, it could never get better. It's like, it's almost like, It's one of singular event that almost ripples outwards and it changes everything. It changes how you see yourself. It changes how you see others. It changes your perspective on everything in life. So I would say to understand, like you said, that it's nothing more than a redirection and it's not a reflection of who you are as a person if you get fired. Getting laid off or getting fired, it's all in essence the same because you're just no longer working there and it's not by your choice. You, You are being forced to leave in whatever capacity. And obviously negligence can be a reason to be fired, but there's countless other reasons. And in fact, if you really think about it, statistically speaking, more people get fired for like other reasons than they do for negligence. Because in order to fire someone for negligence, there's like a whole process you have to take, like written warnings, right? Verbal warnings, right? Appreciation to the choir <laughs> as an HR person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probationary period. Like there's- They have to build a case. Exactly, a paper trail. You have to build something of validity, especially to avoid any sort of wrongful termination lawsuit. So like most of the time people are fired for things that they can't control, right? So like a restructuring, right? Pay cuts, like all of these different things. So I would say to not internalize it, don't see it as a reflection of you as a person. It's nothing more than a blip in your very long 
happy, fulfilled life, like something greater and bigger is going to come, whatever it may be. And I never would have thought that when I got fired. I got told it, but I didn't believe it for a while. It took me a little bit to like build up to that. But now I know for a fact the universe works in very mysterious ways. And I thought that was my purpose, but it turns out this is my purpose. And never would have happened if I didn't get fired. So you just have to trust. This is like the ultimate trust the process. So I think that with that, like ultimately, it feels like a really far place to fall from when you're working at a place that a lot of people would deem a dream job. Anytime I would express that to anyone, whether they were a colleague currently working there or someone that was outside, like just a friend or something, they would say, well, at least you're working at the NFL. Every single time I said something, like, well, at least you're working there. A place can be a great place to work, but not a great place for you to work. Exactly. Right? I used to go around before I started a job and I'd ask people like, oh, what's it like working there? How's your experience been? They've been like, you know, it's awesome. But then me as a black biracial woman going into that space and oftentimes being the only, I've had a completely different experience than like the white hat, cis, non-disabled man that I asked how their experience was. I think that sometimes we let pedigree and brands, especially as like women and femme presenting people to not gaslight us, but like enamor us, right? So what is an accomplishment that you're most proud of? Career-wise, I assume. Yeah. I would say my clothing collaboration with Change is something I'm, oh my gosh, just unbelievably proud of. I would say... My New York Times article was huge. It's honestly, it makes me almost emotional. Don't tell the men. <laughs> my dad never thought he was ever going to see his last name in the New York Times. And like, I had a whole entire article written about me and my Rolling Stone honor, Adweek being the creator of the year for Adweek. And I would say getting to interview The Rock too <laughs> and like host with Warner Brothers was a dream come true. Genuinely, it was. And as like a someone person, I get to meet someone like The Rock, who's a pillar in the community for us. So every episode we do an ask a girl boss question. And the question that we got for you specifically was this. What do you do when you start a job you were so excited for and they sold you a bit of a false reality? Oh, interesting. Sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. If only they knew. Yeah, that I ghost wrote that. <laughs> I would say to, I guess to meet with like, if you have the ability to do so, I would meet with your supervisor, whoever your chain of command is. And I would express to them that this is not the job that I applied for. Like, I'm a big fan of like printouts, notes, right? Take lots of notes and keep like a detailed record of everything that has either been done wrong to you or that is incorrect about what they said it was going to be and it's something completely different. And also to put everything in emails, everything in emails so you have like a legitimate paper trail, especially if you applied for the job and it was like a very specific job description and those aren't the things that you're doing now. You can print that out and show us them and say, this is the job that I applied for. This is the job that I agreed to. This is what we talked about. And those aren't the things that I am doing currently. Are you like an undercover HR like right now? Like what's going on? <laughs> like co-sign everything. <laughs> I'm a big fan of like putting it back on them, but asking them questions. So you could say like, I just want to bring this to your attention because I want to know if I'm misunderstanding. At any point did I misunderstand 
what it is that I'm supposed to do or what it is that is expected of me because I feel like maybe something got lost in translation or maybe we're having miscommunication issues. But I wanted to bring it to your attention because I just want to make sure that I'm not misunderstanding. And when you do it in that way, they have to explain it to you in a way that like one makes sense, but also two applies to the receipts that you have because you have all your receipts all organized. And then they can't paint you in an antagonistic light or say that you're like demanding or dramatic, emotional, whatever it is they tie, especially to women and femme people. They always tie emotions to us. Like they're like, you're being so aggressive. You're just expressing why you're unhappy. No matter how calm and monotone you say it, like they'll still take it that way. So if you pose it in the form of like, maybe I'm just misunderstanding. It's almost like a condescending way of being like, what is this? That's really good advice. That's really good advice. Because I think that sometimes we can like easily be manipulated or gaslit or convinced that something that is happening isn't happening. So even having all those records for yourself is so valuable for you to reflect on to be like, okay, this has been a pattern. This has been happening. And the only one thing that I would add to what Drew is sharing is like to this person that asked this question is chat with someone outside of the organization, like a mentor or someone that you trust. So you can just get a gut check on it on terms of what's going on and maybe check in with that person consistently if it continues to happen. And then there might be the opportunity for you to bring it internally and actually speak to someone in-house like a manager or even HR if you feel comfortable doing so. But co-sign all that advice. I, I couldn't have said it better myself, Drew. I think that maybe <laughs> you have a, a bright a bright career in HR influencing yeah, you know content what? creation. <laughs> work out, I'll just go into HR. <laughs> <laughs> One day. <laughs> okay, so to wrap up this conversation, I wanted to ask you some rapid fire questions, okay? So we're just going to pop right into them. How many unread emails do you have in your inbox right now? Honestly, not many. I would say probably like 10, 15, I, I go through my email all the time. What? That's my Virgo. Yeah, Virgo vibes. <laughs> what is the first thing you do in the morning? Look at my phone. I know, it's so bad. Look at my phone, though. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It, honestly, though, it brings me joy. It does. It does. I'm tired of pretending it doesn't. And I, you know what? Let me take it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a small thing. It's a small thing that makes me happy. Let me have it. Last question. What does being a girl boss mean to you? It's like truly just being like the truest, strongest, most confident version of yourself. It doesn't even have to apply to work or anything like that. It, it's truly just like being that girl, like for yourself and knowing that you are valid and worthy and loved and successful no matter what happens in your career, your relationships, whatever it may be that you are just so incredibly confident and strong just because you are the best version of yourself. I always say too, like, there's only one of you, of all of us. Like, there's only one of us. That's the most unique thing in the world. So you should treat yourself as if you're the most unique, treasured, valued thing in the world because that's what you deserve. Drew, thank you so much for sharing more of your career journey with us. I thank you for your vulnerability and being so open and honest with us and just sharing so much. Just like, it's very rare to have conversations in general about being fired and to have someone like you share about your experience with it is really powerful. And I know it will help a lot of folks. Thank you so much. I thank you for having me. And I, I loved and genuinely enjoyed the conversation. I think it's so great. 
what y'all are doing here. So I'm honored to have been on the show. And I really do hope that everyone (laughs) takes something from it and understands that your worth is not tied to your work, no matter where you work at all. Thank you for listening to my chat with Drew. As someone who has been fired multiple times, I had so much fun recording this episode. Drew proves that you can bounce back from being fired in an epic way. Tune in next week for another candid chat with a very special guest. And until then, please rate the episode or leave a comment to let us know what you thought. This podcast is produced by Liz Goober and Victoria Christie and edited by Diego Domine. Until next time, keep looming.